I am so excited to share another amazing guest with you on today's episode. I recently got to sit down with Emily Jensen, who is the co-founder and content director of Risen Motherhood. She's also an author and a podcaster, a wife, a mom to five. And her latest book is He is Strong, which we talk about in today's episode. It is full of devotions for when you feel weak. And today's conversation is going to encourage you and inspire your motherhood. I cannot wait for you to listen. Grab your AirPods, keep doing whatever it is you're doing. Let's jump in. Hey, Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a joy to be here. Mamas, you may be familiar with Emily. She's an author, fellow podcaster, and the co-founder and content director of the ministry Risen Motherhood in her latest book, He is Strong is Full of Devotions for When You Feel Weak, which in motherhood I feel like is pretty often. Uh, Emily, as I was telling you a minute ago, I have to be really honest, since reading through these devotions, I wasn't prepared for how often I would be able to tie this surface level frustration or worry or even desire to my actual, you know, own feelings of weakness. Like my, my weaknesses have been pointing out and I'm, I'm seeing them everywhere and in all different kinds of situations. And so your book calls us to embrace these feelings and lean on God's strength despite those feelings. So what does weakness mean to you? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because weak is not a word that we like to use about ourselves very often. Um, Very few people want to pick up a book all about their weakness. Um, I think most of us would prefer to ignore those parts of ourselves, or uh, maybe we just get stuck as we're looking at those parts of ourselves and we don't even know what to do with our weaknesses. But as I was really working towards finding out what God's word says about weakness, I felt like defining that word was really important because people use it in a lot of different ways and a lot of contexts. And essentially, weakness is just lacking something. Um, And so when you think about it that way, there are so many areas of life where we lack things that we want or need. Um, These can be insufficiencies, inadequacies, limitations, areas of our life where we feel like we're just not enough. And some of those things are God designed. You know, we, we are made with limitations. We are not God. There are good ways in which we are not sufficient compared to God, you know? And then there are ways where we invite weakness into our lives or we let weakness fester and we don't deal with it. And so it is just this kind of big topic. But what I think is neat about this topic is that if we are willing to acknowledge the areas of our lives where we feel insufficient, inadequate, we're coming up against our limitations, when we're willing to acknowledge those and then take those to the Lord, um, there's actually hope and freedom and joy on the other side of that. You know, whether it's recognizing, oh yeah, this is something that God has put into my life and I can trust him in this. Or maybe we do find like, oh, this is an area where I am struggling or I am giving into temptation or I'm not being courageous enough. And like, then we're getting God's help to deal with that and move forward. Like in whatever case it is, you're finding God's grace in that. And you're finding that he wants to help you and and teach you to rely on his strength in any situation. Yeah. And I think that 
pretty much all of that is relatable, especially for us as moms, because I feel like we have these little mirrors that run around that we're, you know, constantly being forced to recognize, okay, what is this in my own life? They're constantly reflecting that back to us. For me, there are often feelings of resistance, like you were saying, you're even avoiding those feelings. So this book has encouraged me to learn to embrace those feelings and rely on God in all the different ways that you just mentioned. So I appreciate you for sharing that. You talk about two different categories of weakness that are almost kind of polarizing and opposite. So why don't you explain a little bit more about that just for context as we get started? Sure. Yeah. As I went to God's word, I started to realize that weakness, again, is this huge overarching concept. And Scripture speaks about a lot of different types of weakness that we face as humans. And some of them are even things that Jesus experienced as a man. Um, We see him needing food. We see him um, turning to his heavenly father for wisdom. We see him needing to learn and grow, like all these things that he experiences as a human. And so we see, hey, in that, there are aspects of weakness that we experience too, that we don't need to feel guilty about, that we don't need to beat ourselves up over. Um, And what the way I kind of put that in the book is just living with God-given limitations. You know, this is just the result of our humanity. It's the way God uniquely created us or the circumstances that he's brought into our lives. So again, this was it would include things like uh, realizing you've reached the limitations of your physical strength or knowing that like you have limits and needs for sleep and food and water and community and all kinds of things like that. Um, some of us are living with the effects of chronic disease or pain or illness. And this is just the result of the fall that it's put some limitations and some things in our lives that cause us to feel insufficient, feel inadequate. Um, This could be something like maybe you're walking through a deep grief in life and it has limited your capacity for a season. Um, Perhaps you are undergoing trials or significant persecution in your life. Um, This could be personality as well, right? Like some of us are just a little bit less driven. God didn't wire us in a way where we're super like achievement oriented and we're a little bit more laid back. So there could be all these areas of life that kind of fit under this concept of kind of like God-given limitations. And then there is a type of weakness that I would say is is more like sinful. It's rooted in sin. And you know, it's worth noting really quick, like a lot of things in our lives don't fit neatly into one category or the other. This is a full spectrum. There's all kinds of gray areas. It's complex. Sometimes it can be both. And so I want to give that caveat, but um, it's it can still be helpful to like hear, okay, where is this as I'm thinking about it? But the sinful side would be, you know, things that we desire from the flesh that make it really hard to walk in faith and obey God's commands. So sometimes like, we're being weighed down with our sin and we're we're ineffective because of that. Um, sometimes we are giving up easily, maybe at the sign of first sign of temptation, right? We're just like, forget it. I, I tap out of this situation um, instead of persevering with faith. Um, sometimes we're lacking the fortitude to believe God's promises in the midst of hard things, or um, we don't have good discerning skills. We have a roaming eye for truth. You know, we're always learning, but never arriving at the knowledge of truth. Um, Sometimes we're acting cowardly instead of bravely. Um, 
the proverb that always comes to mind when I think about this is um, not wanting to be like a city without walls. You know, you think about that of there is a means of protection that that city could have, and it's chosen to be there without walls. It's chosen to be unprotected. So God has given us all kinds of means for having faith and and fighting sin and and being able to be courageous in our lives, but we also have to go to him for those things. And sometimes we just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like the two big categories that I like to think of. And it helps me as a weakness comes up in my life to start to go, okay, what am I dealing with here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super helpful because then you're able to recognize is is we can discern is it something that we can move forward through either embracing or is it something that i need to repent of depending on which category it falls into so that is super helpful so throughout the book you share relatable stories and you talk about your own feelings of weakness what was it like writing this book and kind of processing through your own feelings in this area uh you know it was really hard but also really helpful and really comforting um This book really came out of a season of life where we were walking through a new diagnosis with one of our children. Um, He had his very first seizure, and we were starting down the path of understanding what it looks like to live with a child who has epilepsy. And there was a lot of really scary things with that, a lot of very traumatic things. I, I felt like in motherhood, kind of the rug had been pulled out from under me, and um. I was in a really vulnerable place when I was writing this. And on top of that, you know, we have five kids. Um, They are are super busy. There's a lot going on in our lives. Um, You know, we have, we own some small businesses here in town. And like, there's just all these other things going on in our lives. And as I'm like processing this um, new diagnosis, I'm also just like, like you said, looking around at my life and my motherhood and feeling like, oh, there are so many ways where I'm inadequate. There's so many ways where I wish I had more capacity or I wish I was better at getting things done or I wish I was wiser in this area. I wish I had, I was better equipped to, you know, meet my kids' needs. And, and you just realize like, I'm not able to be all things to all people. And that can feel really sad and hard and frustrating and all of those things. And so, you know, as I was just taking that to the Lord and and going to scripture, I was also really comforted at God's heart and posture towards weakness and towards those who know their need of him. Mm-hmm. And even when we look at the life of Christ and who he interacts with the most, who he pursues, who he spends time with, um, It's people who, again, know their need of him. It was those in society who were most overlooked, um, considered most unclean, most rejected, most unpopular, you know, the sick and the outcast. Those were the types of people that Jesus pursued and spent time with. Um, Those who were full of pride and had it all together and had things figured out and tried to bait Jesus into it, you know, getting the wrong answers to questions and were challenging his authority, who wanted to continue on with their legalism and their religious systems, those people were rebuked by Jesus. And so I think that even as I was looking at the life of Christ and and God's heart towards us in Christ— to realize, like, actually, if I'm grouping myself in the category of these weak, dejected, outcast people who don't have all the answers, 
who need Jesus, who, you know, again, feel afraid, feel tired, all of those things. Like that's a great, that's a great posture to come to the Lord with. And he actually loves and welcomes and embraces us in that. That's actually the only way that we can come to him is, is humble and fully aware of how much we need him. I think it's really neat that you talk about you were in this raw, like messy place as you're writing that, you know, I think there's something to be said about the the authenticity and vulnerability and how God can just speak through those circumstances. How has motherhood made you feel when it comes to weakness? Do you feel stronger? Do you feel weaker? And how has having a son with disabilities influenced those feelings for you personally? Mm -hmm. Motherhood has provided like an amazing number of opportunities to see my own weakness. I, I think that I do in some ways recognize my inability, insufficiency, all the areas where I'm not enough more frequently than I used to. But I also think that's a good thing mm-hmm. um, because it's something like, I guess another uh, comparison would be thinking of Paul and the thorn in his flesh. Um, you know, when he talks about that, he's not happy about this thorn in his flesh, which the Bible leaves sort of mysterious for us as to what that specifically meant. But in essence, it was this thing in Paul's life that made it hard for him to do ministry. It was a thing that was kind of always poking at him, really annoying, really frustrating. He wished he could just kind of be free of it. That way he could, you know, go on to do more and more and more ministry. But he recognizes that as he has this thorn in his flesh, it's something that keeps him humble and it keeps him relying on God. And that is where kind of that famous Bible verse that we like to quote about, you know, Christ's uh, strength is made perfect in my weakness. You know, it's it's Paul that's saying that about Christ and that when he is walking with this thorn and he's doing ministry anyway with this thorn, Christ's strength is being perfected in him in, in and through that. And so when I think about that in motherhood, I go, you know, there's a lot of areas where I am not able to meet all of my kids' needs. I don't always have the right answer. You know, uh, we just have had this thing recently where my youngest uh, is going through a phase. And I forget that, like, they all go through this phase at some time where just randomly she's, like, won't stay in her bed after we put her to bed. And it's, like, coming out of bed, needing a 100 things, you know, and we're, we're going back and forth. And, I mean, I feel like. I've been a mom for, you know, 11 and a half years now. How do I not know how to deal with this? You know, <laughs> this I feel like I should have mastered this by now. Like, yes. <laughs> um why are we still going through this with our youngest child? You know, did we not train her correctly? Like what what's going on? And and you know, so here I am this many years into it still. I have plenty of situations like that every day where like I don't instantly have the right answer or I try something and it doesn't work and you know, my husband and I are having to put our heads together and, you know, but I think the good thing about those situations and why I don't mind recognizing them is because, again, it humbles me mm-hmm. and it puts me in this position where I'm like, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I'm not the Lord of my life. I'm not someone who, you know, I, I can't put the weight of everything on myself mm-hmm. um, and I need God. And it actually drives me to him over and over and over again 
to go, well, Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. Can you help me? It sends me to him in prayer. It also gives me a lot of gratitude. Whenever something, when he does carry me through a situation by his grace, and I get to the other side of it and I recognize that wasn't anything in me. It wasn't my willpower or how smart I am or how good I am at being a mom or how great I am at sticking to my guns. Like that was God's grace that got me through. Um, And look at what he's done. Praise him. Um, So I think that there are just so many great things that happen when we recognize how dependent we are on him. It puts us in that position of just living by his grace, being grateful for his grace, and then really truly from an authentic heart, telling others about what a gracious, wonderful God he is. Yeah. I wonder if you can relate to this idea of kind of how you envision motherhood, you know, I don't know about for you, but for me, I'm still shocked that I'm not enough. I have three kids. You've got five. I know. But I'm like, there's not enough of me to go around. I always thought that, and maybe it's because of, you know, how I see my mom. We think of moms as super moms and they always, they're like little energizer bunnies and always going, 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 and they never give out and they can do anything right. But then you become a mom and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't feel like that. I'm not like that. I don't have the capacity. I don't have enough energy. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the answers. And so how have you navigated that tension of, you know, expectation versus reality? And what does that kind of look like for you? Mm-hmm. You know, so much of that for me just keeps coming back to my identity being in Christ. You know, I am not the mom that I thought I was going to be either. Um, you know, when we moved into the house that we currently live in um, years ago, we built it for a family and a lifestyle that we actually don't have. Um, And so sometimes I'll walk around and I'll just look into different rooms and think like, huh, remember when I thought this? Remember when I thought that? You know, our family size is different than we expected. We were not expecting to have a child with disabilities that has created, you know, a huge dynamic shift in our family that we could never have imagined or planned for. Um, you know, I thought I would be a homeschool mom. I thought we'd have a chicken coop in the backyard. Like I thought all these things, you know, all of our kids are are in public school and like it's it's actually going great. And it's like all these things are really different than what I expected. And sometimes when I look at that, I can feel a sense of failure. Like, did I miss God's plan for our lives? Like, did I deviate? Or like, am I on the right path? And I just, I had ideas that were different. I had expectations that were different than for what God actually had for us as we mm-hmm. have been following him day by day, year by year in this journey um, as parents. And, you know, I think for me, it's going, hey, you know what? Like my, who I am and and my value as a woman and as a mom and as a wife is not tied into what I do and what type of lifestyle we are living. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not tied to our family size. It's not tied to our schooling method. It's not tied to our children's health and their achievements. Um, It's in Christ. And I know that deep down, I still have tremendous value to him. I still matter to him. Um, My life still has incredible impact for the kingdom of God. Um, And have I done everything right? No, I haven't. And I won't do everything right moving forward. But God's grace is still at work 
in and through my life. And I am fully known, fully loved, fully secure in Christ. And so I think that's been just a really, really important thing to keep in perspective, not only as I have failed to live up to my own expectations um, or failed to live up to what I think I should be doing, but also just as I spot more and more areas where I recognize like, oh, I'm I'm not as good at that as I thought I would be or as I hoped I would be, or I'm not this kind of mom, I'm that kind of mom. It's allowed me to like transition and move forward and to lean into like what God actually has for me mm-hmm. with joy and flexibility. Um, I think you asked also about, um, we were talking about feelings. That's oh, yeah. what it was. We were talking about feelings and we were looking at like, you're saying looking at other moms, Sometimes we look at them and it feels like they never give out. They never give up. They're so good at everything. And then like when we look at ourselves, we don't see any of that. And I would say something that I'm learning is to not rely on my my feelings about how I'm doing as a great metric for how I am actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think sometimes like I feel like oh, I'm not enough, I'm not doing a good job in this area, all these different things. And yet, as I'm walking by faith and I'm looking to God in dependence and I'm asking Him for things and I'm depending on Him for things, I'm going forward and then I will turn my head in reverse and look in hindsight and I'll be like, wow, how how did that happen? How did we get through those years? Um, Oh, I actually maybe wasn't failing quite as bad as I thought I was. You know, (laughs) Sometimes I'll look back into the little years and even kind of feel like, I know I was so hard on myself in that season, and I just felt like I was the worst mom ever. And I'll look back and be like, I'm not trying to—I know I messed up, but, like, I was being too hard on myself. Like, I I was—we were getting by, and I was loving them, and I was sharing the gospel with them, and I don't have a lot of regrets from those years. Um, And I think the same is true for us. Like, I will have friends come to me and say, oh, I see how, you know, you're persevering in this situation. I'm like, oh, I don't feel like I'm persevering. But God is causing me to persevere. And so I don't know. I've just kind of learned like, yeah, I may feel that way, but like that may not be the full truth or the full story about the situation. Yes, I think it definitely did. And that kind of is the thorn in my side. As the listeners know, we talk a lot about mental health here and the spiral and the thoughts and all the feelings and getting caught up in that. That's definitely um, one of my weaknesses. And um, I would say that it, it is important, the stories that we tell ourselves about reality or what what we're experiencing, what we're going through, who we are as moms. And um, so that's definitely something that I'm continuing to grow in because that makes a huge difference as to how we feel and experience not just motherhood, but day-to-day life is the stories that we're telling ourselves about these things. Yeah. I love that because it's an incomplete story to look at your weakness and only tell yourself, I'm horrible at this. I'm mm-hmm. insufficient. I'm not enough. Like, you're right. But there's a whole nother part of that if you are in Christ, which, you know, is is preaching the gospel to yourself. And I, I agree with you that I think too many times, and this is something that I learned a lot as I was writing the book, and I would say it's one of the biggest ways that I've changed as I looked at, at scripture is like, that has to be paired with the truth mm-hmm. of what God has done for us in Christ. And to recognize that like, that's not in Christ, through Christ, that's not the main paradigm through which God is viewing us. Mm-hmm. He is viewing us as enough in Christ. He's viewing us as sufficient in Christ. He is viewing us as 
his children who are created in his image, who he loves, who he did not make one mistake on. And so if we are focusing on, you know, only one aspect of that gospel narrative, which is just how bad we are, we're not also remembering and believing all these really important things that God wants us to. And like, again, like we were talking about with those limitations, some of those things that like we're mad about and we're stomping around about, God has actually brought those into our lives for his glory and for our good. Like he's actually like, my child, this is, this is for, I have given you this as a gift, even though it doesn't feel like a gift. And, and if we just outright reject that, like we're missing um, maybe a different perspective on the situation. Mm-hmm. So I love what you're saying about um, mental narratives there. Yeah. And and possibly more than likely a lot of freedom too. Yeah. Because I feel like that's kind of the flip side of that is like, there's so much freedom to be had. Um, so I definitely tend to get stuck, like I said, in this place of being fixated and almost defeated by my weaknesses. So what happens when we give that selective or obsessive even attention to those weaknesses? Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like we become what we behold, right? Mm-hmm. And another way of saying this, I think this was coined by Tim Keller, is um, navel gazing. And, you know, just kind of this idea that as long as you're staring down at yourself um, and you're you're looking inward and you're just fixated on all the ways that you're falling short and you're failing, we can't do what the Bible actually commands us to do, which is to behold Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is really who we are to turn our gaze and attention to. That's uh, in Hebrews 12, 2 talks about that, that he is the founder of our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith. Um, and that we actually grow more and more into the image of whatever it is that we hold up as, as good and beautiful. Whatever it is that we are fixing our hearts on is what we become more like. And so I think this idea that we have that, hey, the more that I obsess over the ways that I'm flawed, like maybe they'll just go away. Or maybe we feel like if I beat myself up about it enough, it will go away. Or if I shame myself enough about it, it will go away. And it just won't. Those things don't bring freedom. So it's good to acknowledge it. It's good to see it. But we very quickly have to turn our eyes right back onto Christ and to look to him and say, okay, yep, this is this is something I'm struggling with. This is a limitation that I have, but Christ. And when we look at him, I mean, I, I think that every believer, I hope, would agree that there is so much um, joy in looking at who Christ is and what he's like. There's so much comfort found in Christ. He's so... He's so lovable. He is so wonderful. He's so, he invites us in our weakness. Um, And so it's kind of just like a a focus shift that we need to have. And I think that that can look like um, being strategic when we are in those situations where we're going down the mental spiral to say, can I turn on my audio Bible and like listen to some Psalms? Can I, are there some worship songs that have some really great truths in them that I can turn on right now to help me focus my mind on true things? Maybe there is a book that you're reading or um, you're going to sit down with your journal and just jot down, you know, a few things. Or maybe there's a scripture you're memorizing that you're going to work on that scripture memory. Or there's a friend who always encourages you to um, turn to Christ. And so you're going to, you're going to reach out to her and be like, hey, I'm, in the spiral right now. Remember how we talked about this? Will you <laughs> encourage me? And, you know, she's going to do that for you. So 
I think there's a lot of ways that we can practically and tangibly go, oh, no, okay, mind, where we see yep, we see that, but like I'm gonna actively turn my gaze back to Christ. Yes. Yes. And hopefully that's what that that is my goal is to share those kinds of things because I'm very much a practical. I tend to be a little too practical sometimes. I'm like, give me the steps, give me the formula, I'll do it. Like God, just show me the path. I'm very good at role following. But I, I like to share that, you know, there are some things that we can't really see that are more of heart postures, but how do we do that, especially as moms? And so hopefully the listeners, everything you're saying, they're like, yes. And there's been helpful, actual, like practical ways that we can do that in our everyday lives. Um, so how would you encourage or what tips would you have um, besides the ones that you just shared for a mom who's like, I'm feeling really weak. I'm going through a really hard time. And this weakness is just, it feels like too much. How would you encourage her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just to to piggyback on what I was sharing, I think it's really important that you find tangible, practical ways in your daily life to remember that Jesus loves you. Um, whether you have, you know, a Bible story that you're reading with your kids every day and like you can use that moment as a discipleship moment for your own heart as well. Or again, it's worship music. It's it's posting Bible verses up around your house. Like do whatever you have to do to give yourself those reminders. I think it's also important to pray for contentment in the circumstances that God mm-hmm. has given us. Um, it's wonderful to pour out our hearts, pour out all of our our fears and our hurts to the Lord and say, I didn't want this, or this is something that I'm struggling with. I don't like wrestling with this God. And this is uncomfortable for me. Like, yes, pour out your heart, but then also re- um, receive what God is giving with thanksgiving. And this is something that's so hard, but actually, you know, scripture tells us this is an important part of, of prayer and of walking with the Lord is giving thanks, even when we can't quite see how things have turned out yet. Um, I think, you know, you can also try to find others. We talked about that, um, where you might need to seek wisdom, seek input, seek counsel from others. I think that's something like when we are alone and we are um, trying to walk through something by ourselves, of course we feel weak. Of course we feel like we're inadequate, but God has put us in the body of Christ. And we all have actually different strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes an area where we are weak or just even an area in our motherhood or in our thought life or just in the circumstances that we're, we're walking through that are hard for us, there is another person in our congregation locally who has capacity for that right now or has already been through that and has a really great answer. Um, so there's just, there are a lot of really practical things to do. Um, and some of it is just, I think, choosing to, you know, there's there's a lot of forks in the road in our day. Um, a lot of people, I think they, they're called watershed moments where it's like, you know, there's like water running down a roof and it's like, what direction is it going to go? Is it going to go this way or this way? And just recognizing that there are so many moments in our day that are these watershed moments where we recognize we're struggling with something and we have a choice of what we do about that. And I think there is a lot of just by the spirit fighting to make the choice to pursue God and and to pursue wisdom and to pursue his direction in those moments instead of um you know getting stuck in those going in those and I I've, I've been through this so I know so like <laughs> spending all afternoon scrolling on social media or like doom scrolling you know um 
going and just like laying around. Like, I think there's all these things, there's these unhealthy ways, right. To deal with it. And I've, I've done plenty of them myself. And if that is you, like no shame, go back to the Lord. And like every moment is a new moment that you get to choose how and where you're going to go with these feelings and, you know, choose, choose to go to the Lord with them. Yeah. And I think that is a really good reminder because I often get caught up in these narratives of shame and guilt and condemnation, but that is the complete opposite of what the Lord has and wants for us. It's like He's not condemning you. He's inviting us to just return and come back and you know be reconciled to the Lord and continue walking with Him in step with the Spirit. So those are all really great reminders and practical ways that you know we can just remind ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're not a victim to these things, and we do have a choice. And I know for me personally, that was one of my light bulb moments in taking ownership of my days and my times and my thought, my life, and ultimately just deciding, hey, I'm not going to stay stuck here. I'm not going to stay stuck in this narrative. I'm, I'm not going to be a victim. You know, I'm going to hold to truth. I'm going to remind myself of truth. I'm going to put post-it notes up everywhere, you know, put a background on my phone, whatever I need to do to remind me of the truth in this situation and walk with the Lord through it. One last question before we go. Um, we do talk a lot about daily rhythms here. I'm going to kind of spring this on you. So if you need a second to think about it, just let me know. What's a daily rhythm that is currently keeping you grounded? Right now, when we're recording this, is the holiday season. Is there anything that you do day to day, either now or otherwise throughout the year that helps you kind of keep feelings of overwhelm at bay or just kind of stay connected and anchored to the Lord? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think something that I am revamping yet again right now, I feel like I'm always restarting this, is sitting down and taking time to prioritize my day. I I was actually writing down the other day how many different like hats I wear in life. Um, I think I came up with 14. (laughs) And that's probably like not all of them. I told my husband that and he was like, wow, that actually is a lot. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I feel so stressed out. Yes. Um, Because at any given time, I'm trying to be 14 different things Mm -hmm. for our family and others and whatever. And so it's really important when I come down, I sit down to my week or to my day. And in each of those areas, there's a very long list of things that could be done. I feel like should be done um, to actually be able to put all of those on paper and then prioritize, okay, which ones absolutely need to be done right away? Which ones are important to get done, but like if I don't do them right this second, it's okay. And which ones feel like they need to be done right this second, but they don't actually need to be done for a while. It's just kind of weighing on my mind. And then which things on this list do I actually not need to be responsible for at all, but I'm taking this on as my responsibility, even though no one has told me to do this. Um, if I never did it, no one would notice, or I could outsource this to someone else. Um, like what things do I just need to completely remove from my list? And, you know, I think that I've done a lot of different strategies for that over the years. And right now I have just started a new spiral notebook that literally just says like highest priority. I can't remember if it says first priority. And then there's like secondary priority things. And then um, there's people. And so each day I'm just writing down in those categories, okay, what are the things for today that would be a win if I got these done? And what's interesting about this little organization technique is that it only lets you put three to five in each category. 
So it's really hard because <laughs> I have about 35 things that, that I used to write down for my day. Like, here's my to-do list today. 35 things. Yep, nope, cannot get 35 things done. And and this is going, actually, you can probably only get, you know, six to 10 things done at the very most. And that's if my day goes, you know, like perfectly. So that little rhythm in the morning has been helping me have more realistic expectations about my day. And then also to really think, look at the different roles and the different hats I wear in life and go, okay. What of all of these things is important today and what can wait? Yeah, that's so cool. Emily, you don't know this, but um, I've actually, for the listeners who may be listening for the first time, I've actually got a free guide, Mom's Guide to Time Blocking. I can link oh, cool. that below and you can go through and it, it it kind of takes into some of those things into consideration where we're talking about, okay, priorities, where's my time going, what time do I have, and then just plugging it all in. So yeah. I thought that you just outlined that. Um, oh, man. I just had this, I'm, we're working through this coaching thing right now for business, my husband and I, and one of the things our business coach had us do, which has nothing to do with like all my home and like ministry stuff, but I'm totally stealing all the tips for that is we're keeping track of what we like, what we do every minute of the day. And it has been so eye opening for me, like to go, oh, that's how many hours it actually takes me to like keep the house clean every day or whatever. And I'm really excited when all of that data is collected to go back and do the time blocking stuff you're talking about yeah. to to be more realistic about how much time I need in my week for these different big areas. So it's really yes. cool stuff. I could yes. talk about this forever. Oh, me too. I love like my biggest hack is just setting a timer because in my mind yeah. things are so big and they take so long. And then you set a timer and you're like, wait a minute, that really did not take that. wasn't that overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Emily, this has been so fun and so cool. Um, what's the best way for listeners to connect with you and get more information about He is Strong? Yeah, you can head to my web- website, emilyajensen.com or follow me on Instagram at emilyajensen. Cool. I'll link everything below. Emily, again, thank you so much for being here. This has been a blast. Thanks for having me. I hope this conversation encouraged you and pointed you back to truth. If you have not already connected with Emily, click the links below, follow her on Instagram, and be sure to grab your copy of He is Strong. I'll see you back here next week, friend. 